It's not about you. Yeah, I figured you'd get a kick out of that one, right? It's not about you. It's about the one who paid the ultimate price to rescue you from the darkness. And I want to talk a little bit about that today because it's so important that we have gone through this series, three-part series, and I want you to be aware that I don't need a series to remind me to share the love of God with someone else. Especially when you come in contact with a loving God who has been committed, who has been compassionate, merciful, and has cared for you and has loved you and has provided for you. But there is no way that you're going to keep me quiet in sharing the love of God with someone else. So it's important for us to understand what we're about to talk about today because then we get a chance to live out the sermon. And like I said before, the exits are closed. So you can't leave. What I'm going to ask you right now is to silence your phones. We had a phone go off earlier, and I wish I had something to throw. But I didn't. And it would be nice if I throw something at someone. But please silence your phones. Amen? It's a custom in our church to stand when we read the Word, so please stand to your feet. If you're here for the first time, welcome. I'm Pastor Gus, one of the pastors in the place. I'm glad that you are here. Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 37. I will be reading. I just need you to pay very close attention to the story. It is a parable, and most, in fact, all parables are a story told to the people who are listening that they can relate to, but it has heavenly implications. Everybody understand that? So God's going to meet you right where you are today. He's going to speak to you your language. Well, we're going to cuss. But He's going to speak to you your language. Alright? For some of you who are still practicing that. Look what it says in the Word of God. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, when he fell into the hands of robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, took him to an inn, 
and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for an extra expense you may have. So, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. We've been in a sermon series called I Share, and Pastor Raymond provoked us and challenged us to irritate those people around us, as he so often irritates me. <laughs> Pastor Edwin has asked us to pray for those that we will speak to about Jesus. But today I want to challenge you to realize that there are many afflicted, many laying by the side of the road, who God has allowed you to see and come in contact with, and He's asking you, sitting in your seat, to leave your comfort zone and to venture out to this dangerous road. I put this up here because it's a circle, and I find it that a lot of people live in this kind of circle. It's a circle of convenience. In this circle, you got your remote control, you got your food, you got your clothing, but there's only room in this circle for one. I want you to begin to venture outside of the circle and begin to share and reach those that have been afflicted by the lies of this world. I want you to hear in this room some people who were this person on the side of the road and someone came to them. I was alone and hurrying, separated from my family and God. Someone knocked on my door and let me to take it. But it was a pain. I was far from God and had it. I was trapped in my addiction. Someone came to me. Okay. My name is Sister Gadney. I was in a prisoner of an abusive relationship, captivity in my own home, but someone came and ate me. When the love of God comes into your heart, when you truly fall in love with Jesus Christ, you naturally want to share it with someone. It astounds me at times that we can get so comfortable in our circle and we can begin to celebrate in that circle, while those around us, their lives are oozing from them. Jesus traveled the road. And this week we commemorate Palm Sunday. It's a week before his crucifixion. They call it Passion Week because he was very passionate about what he was going to do. 
He was greeted with a crowd of people who threw palms and laid their garments and hailed them as king. Hosanna, Hosanna, the highest in heaven. A week later, a similar crowd, because they were so disappointed that he didn't fix everything for them, also yelled, crucify him. And they then nailed him between two thieves. Easter is the biggest Christian holiday on the map. Over two billion Christians all over the world will be celebrating the crucifixion, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, I need to say that again because you all aren't listening. Some of you are dead. Come on, wake up. Crucifixion, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We serve a risen Christ. And he came in triumphantly, being hailed as a king, palms being laid down, and then they crowned him with a crown of thorns. Now, this is real. I touched it and I got poked. So don't touch it. Just look it from afar. See it. Observe it. But this crown, similar one, was pressed upon the head of Jesus and he bled profusely for you and I. It is important for us to understand that in this series, we've been asked to do something. First, we have to pray for those people who are far from God. Talk to Jesus about our friends before we talk to our friends about Jesus. So that God can prepare their hearts in the situation and circumstance they find themselves in. So that when we're able to share with them, they're receptive to the love of God flowing from you. My concern is that we're a selfish society. And experimented the church to the extent where people come to church expecting God to fix everything in your life. When he himself suffered and paid the very price to rescue you from the side of the road. I was that person. And I ask you today, which person in this parable are you? What kind of excuses you have? Because I put this box up here, very creative, right? What do you think? <laughs> and it's full of excuses. Excuses are like old newspaper, crumbled up, not worth anything. What's your excuse for not sharing the love of Jesus Christ that you have experienced with someone else? Because he made no excuses. He went all the way. Took everything that they threw at him. So that you can experience the love of Jesus Christ. In this parable, there are three types of people here. And something occurs because when you read it, what I don't write too much about it, is that there's always people 
who wanted to test Jesus. Ever see that in the Bible? This guy was a lawyer. He knew the law. The religious law. But not the moral law. The moral law talks about love and how we need to love one another. Now, I know after this, y'all are probably going to come to me and say, Pastor, you love me, you know, kind of stuff. Of course I love you, but I ain't going to let you get away with your stuff. <laughs> like some of you want to use moments like that. In fact, my daughter's not here, so I can say this. <clears throat> oh, God. I'm going to say it anyway, sis. I just preached uh, a sermon, and I get off the altar, and of course, she being pastor's kid, like she is, came to me and said, Dad, i got to tell you something. i got a ticket. I was like, I said, yeah, I just preached about love, God, so. But she knew the perfect timing. And some of us will use a message like this and take it and then put it on somebody's lap and expect that person. What we try to do is guilt and shame people to act in the way we want them to. This parable is a story that Jesus brings forth because he needs to shatter the way the priest and the Levite have been thinking. The priest... It says that he was coming down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And what happens is that um, Jerusalem and Jericho are about 15 to 18 miles apart. Walking distance on a good day if you got your sketchers on. And this road was specifically a horrible road for you to travel. Robbers hung out waiting for people to come through that road. It was set up almost like an alleyway. Think about the worst neighborhood. And someone said something earlier and I was like, no, that can't be the worst neighborhood. But, but the point is, think about the worst neighborhood going through a dark alley and robbers waiting for you. The priest normally was coming down from the temple. He was worshiping. He was saying, oh God, you're wonderful, we love you, we exalt you. And what happens is, usually what happens is, is that we do that in church. We say, God, we love you, we love you, oh, we tear our clothes and we get at the altar. We do all kinds of things and then when the need is presented before us, we do absolutely nothing. Now I told you you couldn't leave, right? Because I'm talking to the church, you as individuals. Someone told me that you can't keep it unless we give it away. Right? So we're supposed to be able to bring hope and aid to the needy, to the afflicted, to those who are far from God. And last week you were challenged and you were told, pray. Pray for the people that you would like to see. Listen, this is not about you inviting people to an Easter service. That's not what this is about. This is about a natural flow of the love of God in your life that you want to share with someone else. That's what this is about. Because we want to preach the gospel no matter if there's one people here, I mean one person, or a whole lot of people. Because each person sitting in your seat where you are, you need to be able to share the gospel. 
It's good news. I was that person at the side of the road. And somebody, somebody met me where I was. They irritated me. They annoyed me. But they couldn't stop talking to me about Jesus. If you truly have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have to get out of this circle that you're so used to, so comfortable in living. You show up to church, you do the bare minimum, and then you go home and you say, I want a revival. Revival happens when the person sitting in your seat repents, turns from their wicked ways, and turns to God. So as we go into this parable, the priest comes down and he sees this guy laying there half dead, bleeding, like oozing out. Now, I'm going to speculate if the person's laying half dead, they're losing consciousness, so they can't say too much, but it's obvious that he's hurting. Come on now. It's obvious that some of us in this room are hurting. It's obvious that the people that you know in your sphere of influence are hurting. And you have something. If you've been with Jesus, you've experienced something that now you need to share with someone else. So that's the big challenge here today because the priest, he also knew because he was a reader of the law that he couldn't touch someone who was dying. It would be too messy. And he had to go back and do his other shift. So he, he would have to go and get purified and cleansed and he wouldn't be able to get back up to Jerusalem and do what he was supposed to do. So he, he walked on by. And the Levite, familiar also with the Lord, did the same thing. Now this is where Jesus rattles their boat. You see, because the Jews considered the Samaritans to be like me. Unclean. Sinner. Far from God. Caught in the grips of our addictions. In relationships we can't free ourselves from. Broke. Tore up from the floor up. All messed up. With no sense of direction. Not experiencing the love of God. Makes an amazing thing. That Jesus just turns the table on the priest, the Levite, and the lawyer who's trying to trick him up. And he tells, well, this Samaritan stopped. The Samaritan stops. Immediately, he must be seen from a distance that this guy's bleeding. He gets out of his circle. I'm assuming that if he had a donkey, he probably had a package. He was probably going to market. He was probably going to work. He was probably had something that he had to do, which was really, really important. I'm talking to you. See, because sometimes we make things so important. And God gives us an opportunity to share our faith with someone who is hurting, someone who is in need, and we got to get to work 
because we got to punch the clock. Now I understand that. And for you people who run late every day, I understand that even more. But it's so important for us to understand that this Samaritan stopped. And he starts to bandage him up. And it must have been, you know, like it wasn't like he was carrying a first aid kit. He must have tore his garment. So it cost him something. He had to tear his garment and he put oil and wine, which is a balsam, which begins to bring healing. And he wrapped him up and then he puts him on his donkey. And then he takes him to this inn. He cares for him. And this is another thing. He then tells the innkeeper, after he pays him, listen, when I come back, we'll settle the bill, but take care of this guy. Look out for him. It leads me to believe that he traveled this road regularly. This dangerous road. This bloody road. He stepped out of the circle regularly. He probably was ridiculed by the Jews and the Levites at the time. Nobody wanted anything to do with him. He steps out of his comfort and he says, I need to do something. Now here's what the priest and Levite might have said. They might have come upon this body laying there and start to look around to see are the robbers still here? Because it was a dangerous road. So the priest and the Levite were concerned about themselves. Like I said earlier, this is not about you. It's getting outside of yourself and realize that there's a hurting world. There are many by the roadside who are afflicted, whose life is oozing out of them. And you have the oil and the wine and the bandages and the resources and the risen Christ to be able to share with them, yet you're staying in your circle. Making excuses. There are some of us in this room. I'm not going to say the other church today because I don't want to talk about the other church. I want to talk about this church. There's some of us in this room who have a lot of head knowledge, taking a lot of classes, pray God, reach the needy, but won't do anything for the needy. So we prayed enough already, haven't we? We've been praying all week and we've been praying like this for a long time. And it's important, it's imperative for each and every one of us to be able to get outside the circle, stop making excuses, and embrace the task before us. This is not about you inviting someone to Easter. It's about you going out of your way every single day to share the life-changing power of the gospel with someone else. And I got a bunch of excuses. Some of you think, I don't know enough. I don't know if I've taken enough Bible courses. I don't know how to pray that well. I don't know what to do, Pastor. No one can refute what has happened to you since you've been with Jesus Christ. That is your story. That is your testimony. Now, if nothing's happened, then I can understand why you can't talk to people. 
But I believe going through this room, scanning abroad, that every single person in this room, Jesus Christ, has become a reality in your life. And becoming a reality, He has demonstrated His love for you. And He continues to pour Himself into you on a regular basis. The Levite did the same, walked past, didn't want nothing to do with it. He understood also what the law said. And I don't want you to think that helping the needy is the way for salvation. Helping the needy is what we call our faith. Our faith tells us that we must have works. And God has created us for good deeds. For us to go forth and do what is good. It's easy to do what is bad. You don't have to teach anybody to be bad. Because of Adam, we are all born sinners. We are all fall short of the glory of God. But salvation, because of the second Adam, Jesus Christ, is available to each and every person in this room today, right now. And some of you say, man, you know, God, you know, he's good for you, he's not good for me. That's a lie from the pit of hell to keep you right where you are. And i got to tell you something to the person who does not know Christ here today. By hook or crook, you will come. By hook or crook, you will come. i got to elaborate on that, right? You're going to come one way or another. And some of you say, oh, I'm not ready. Well, tomorrow's not guaranteed to anybody. Tomorrow is not guaranteed to anybody. You want to make God laugh? Tell him your plans. He'll crack up. Because if your life is not your own, your plans don't line up with his plans. No te rita que no va. I just spoke in tongues. Right? For those who are not Spanish speaking, when we were growing up as kids, and we were ready to go out, my parents would say, where do you think you're going? You know, you get all dressed up. And they would tell you, don't get dressed because you're not going nowhere. I try to do that now, but it doesn't work. <clears throat> so having said that, I think it's important for us to begin to understand two things. What are you willing to do? And how far are you willing to go? It's going to cost you something. But i got to tell you something. The return is so much greater. The people that share just briefly, their testimonies are long and deep. Chris serves in this ministry, and I'm grateful for what God has done in his life. Pedro, I have the privilege of watching him grow. Mary and Zoe's just running around all over the place. And Catherine, she said, I can't wait to get to church. And she's been here ever since, sitting in the front row. Someone had to go and meet them where they were. And I know that sometimes it's discouraging because we want the results to be immediate. We want our family to come to Christ. We want our children to serve wholeheartedly. We want to see the whole world saved. I tell you, hold on to that. But we're not responsible for the results. We're responsible for the effort. And some of you are putting out this much effort. 
to reach those who are lying by the roadside. In fact, some of you are still passing by. The same people that God has put in your path on a regular basis. Some of you will see someone at the roadside needing a cup of coffee and you only have a dollar in your pocket and you won't give it to them. In this circle, we're selfish. We're self-centered. We have all our toys. I don't know how much we can fit in this circle. You know, a little air conditioning to keep cool. Remote control so that we don't have to get up. I have this wonderful chair at home that my wife bought me. Comfortable. Just nestle in it. She got me a little foot thing so I can put my foot up. And every time they ask me to do something, when I get comfortable, I'm like... <laughs> but we need to get out of our comfort zone. So that we can see what God can do. Amen. I had prayed for a while, a while back. And uh, we prayed because we were going to go out and hand out tracks. Everybody know what a track is? You know, the ones that you take and then throw away when you have a lockdown. Okay. And uh, we prayed tracks, and I got a bunch of people. I'm talking about this church. Okay, I'm not talking about anybody else. Everybody was like, yeah, we'll go. You know, Jesus, yeah. And everybody says they love Jesus, but when you tell them you got to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning, they don't love Jesus that much. They want to hit the snooze button. And what happened was we prayed and we, you know, we said we're going to meet here. We're going to go hang out tracks. And uh, I show up. Got a hole ready. I'm on fire. I want to go do this. And nobody showed up. Now, as a pastor, I had homicidal thoughts. <laughs> I know where they lived. I know where they sit. I know the children. <laughs> like really, I got really so upset. And I just prayed and I said, you know, God, these people, you know, you know the prayers we pray, right? Everybody else, but not us. These people, they're horrible. Look at them. You know? And God said, what about you? So I got up and I went. I went around the neighborhood handing out tracks and, uh, Went down 4th Avenue, and finally I went into the store. And uh, you want to talk about a God incident, right? The person who owns the store and is behind the counter, his name is Gus. His name is Gus Rodriguez. Right? Very cynical man, who I love dearly to this day. I mean, I love the guy. And he loves me, I don't know why. But he loves me. And, uh, you know, I go to give him something. He says, what is it? What do you want? How much is it going to cost? What do you want? You know, you people are always asking for something. And I said, no, we, you know, we're a church. You know, we, we deal with, you know, families and recovery, you know, friends, stuff like that. He said, wait a minute. You help people? I got a son who needs help. I got a son who's all messed up. 
So when he calls you, he comes down. I want you to help him. And you know, you get put on the spot. Like, I don't know about it. Huh? <laughs> I'm not going to help this guy. I don't know. What about the guy comes down all twisted up? I got no bandages. I ain't got nothing. But the guy came down. We spoke. He got introduced to this ministry. He got married in this ministry. Serving in this ministry. He's one of my spiritual sons. And I love him dearly. Sometimes his wife says he dresses like me. That's what discipleship does. But the reality is, we have to get out, out of our comfort zone. We gotta get out of the circle that we establish that keeps us from sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. I could have stayed wallowing, upset, making a hit list of the people I was gonna get who didn't show up. But I said no. And God whispered into my ears and said, you go. And I was like, wait a minute. I'm the pastor. They're supposed to go. It's so important for us never to forget where we came from. Never forget where you came from. It's not about promotion. It's about... Come on now. Don't let me hang it out here. It's about... We want people to be attracted to Jesus Christ. Sacrifice that was made at the cross. We don't want to be making excuses. Ah, okay. You know, bread, oh God. You know, I can't. It's going to cost me too much. You know, you ever minister to someone that says, man, I can't go to church because um, I don't got nothing to wear? Well, wear what you wore last night to the club. You don't want to do that now, right? Huh? Or you get some people that you talk to and, and you tell them, you know, hey, come to Jesus, you know, come to Christ. And they're like, nah, I gotta, I gotta straighten this out before, you know, I come to church. I didn't read that anywhere. It doesn't say that you gotta straighten things out to come to Christ. His invitation is based on this love. He'll straighten you out. Believe me, He'll straighten you out. I always tell the man that the Word of God will wreck you before it fixes you. The scene of the cross will make you unhappy, uneasy. Because the Bible doesn't speak to us about being happy. It talks about joy. Joy like a river. Joy like a river. Shelly's looking at me like... Now you know what I don't worship there. (laughs) We need to get out of the circle. We need to get up, we need to get going, we need to get moving. But it's important that you be with Jesus, that you have been with Jesus. What I love about this is, it's a command, it's a great commission. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, 20, talks about we need to be going out and making disciples, baptizing them and teaching them in the name of the Lord, right? Teaching them to obey everything we've learned. And sometimes we step out of this circle, or don't step out of this circle, and think that we're alone. That someone's going to talk about us. You know, that bothers me in this church. That all of a sudden you're concerned about what people are saying about you. Like, really? What were they saying about you before? <laughs> like, really? So if they call you Jesus freak now, that's a lot better than calling you what they were calling you before. Right? 
Because I know they used to call me. <laughs> you know, I was forgotten that, right? But all of a sudden, we retreated to our circle and we're concerned about our reputation. Yeah, some of you are concerned about your reputation. Some of you are so concerned that people are going to think less of you. Because you have God in your life now. There is a power in the gospel. There is no shame in the gospel. There is no shame in the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. I don't go clubbing anymore. There are certain movies I don't watch anymore. I stopped dancing because I needed to be drunk to dance. I'm about my family, my friends, and a devotion to God, wherever I go today. And that's just me, because I've been with Jesus, and I got so comfortable that I had to get pushed out of this circle to go forth and do what God had told me to do in the midst of a broken and afflicted world. Now, everybody here, without hesitation, at a drop of a dime, will love to see a loved one come to Christ. We'd love to see their neighbor come to Christ. We'd love to see a, a co-worker come to Christ. How will they know unless you share it with them? Oh, watch the History Channel. The Bible's on. That's what you tell them. For those who are watching the Bible on the History Channel, do not get your theology from it. And some of you your preconceived notions have been shattered, haven't they? Ah. Samson shows up wearing dreads. Y'all like bugged out, did you? <laughs> Huh? Right? My son loves because all the angels have swords. And they're like ninjas. <laughs> That's not what the Bible is about. The Bible is about the love of Jesus Christ flowing. And even if they do see that program, it's up to you to bring the correction and the love of God based on His Word. But you need to be in it so that you can be able to share with them. This Samaritan was an amazing individual. Nothing extraordinary about him. On the contrary, ordinary like me and you. I don't care if you use a stage or the chair that you're in or, or a corner where you hang out or a meeting that you go to after the meeting. I have to throw that out there. To share the love of Jesus Christ. I belong to another fellowship that empowers me. And the Holy Spirit dwells in me to help me Live out this life that I could not do on my own. This Samaritan knew about the religious law. But the moral law propelled them to do his act. The religious law will keep you in a circle, making it impossible for you to venture out or even try to do something because you're concerned about what is going to happen to you. But the Samaritan steps out and says, if I don't help him, what will happen to him? There is a hell. I know you don't believe me. It wasn't made for us. 
And I'll go here, Recovery House of Worship, Brooklyn, and anywhere else we go, is that we want a full heaven, not a full hell. But it's going to take each and every one of you in this room to make a decision here today about how you're going to move forward after hearing something like this and reading this story, because this has heavenly implications. Look, the pastor, I don't know how to share the gospel. I don't know enough. I'm too busy. I don't know what else to do, Lord. Excuses, excuses, excuses. Jesus, our Heavenly Father, used an ass to speak and redirect a man's path. Surely he can use you. Surely he can use me. And whether it's a stage or a chair, or your voice is amplified or not, but that your life will be so full of the love of God that it will run over into other areas. People who are afflicted, the dry areas that are around you. How many of us know people who are hungry and thirsty? How many of us would love to see this one family member come to Jesus? Just this one family member. Forget about the world for a moment. Just this one family member. This one person. You've seen today this dedication, and I'm so proud, because it's three generations, literally. Three generations. Four, right? Four? Four generations, that's right, the grand-grandbabies. Four generations of a family. And their testimony and their struggles still continue because the work of the Holy Spirit continues. They haven't arrived But having come to this place, they're trying to commit themselves to growing in the things of God. They're not perfect. For those who want to judge, for those who want to point fingers, the disciples spent time with Jesus and still when they were persecuted fled. We're not perfect people. But to see four generations stand before you, and be coming to church. To see Chris, who was far from God, and someone knocking on his door, someone who missed him in the church. Who are you missing today? Look around you. It's a little awkward to see you sitting there, Rich. You normally sit right there. They took your to see Pedro here. You know, the guy I was talking about earlier was Pedro. And um, it's truly an amazing story. And he married Shelly and Zoe's all up and down this place. I think she's made every Bible study in this building. But to see what God can do in a family and in lives that surrender to Jesus... The way it happens is one person comes and then they go back and they invite someone else and they bring them. 
And then they go back and bring somebody else. And they bring them. And that's how we continue to grow exponentially. That each and every person in this room would realize that when this lawyer tried to trick Jesus, Jesus laid it out for him. He says, tell me. Because even at the very end, he doesn't want to mention, oh, the Samaritan. He doesn't say that. He says the one who showed mercy. He couldn't even say the Samaritan because of how he was looking upon someone else. So he bends down, patches him up, heals him up. And when Jesus has that conversation with him, he says, okay, beautiful. Tell me which one. He said, well, the one who has mercy. And he tells him, go. Go and do likewise. We've already prayed. We spent the whole week praying, haven't we? Some of us are praying that someone will get saved, someone will get fed, something will happen to our families and our friends. But we're doing nothing about it except retreating to our circles. I was that person in the roadside, as I shared earlier. My mother-in-law, who has gone to be with the Lord, loved Jesus. Everything was about Jesus with her. Everything. She annoyed me. She irritated me. With times when we would go visit her and I'm like, yo, two hours and we're out of there. But she got a chance to see what happened with me. What happened with her daughter. What's happening with my son and my daughter. Prayerfully, what will happen with my grandchildren and their grandchildren. And she could have stayed in her circle and loved Jesus. But she stepped out of her circle. And she told me about the love of Jesus. There were people who said in my life I wouldn't amount to anything. Wouldn't accomplish anything significantly. Well, I don't want to be a CEO anyway. I want to be a child of God. I want to serve Jesus Christ. But not in this circle. Out there. In the bloody way. The dangerous road where there are people who are still hurting, sick and suffering and far from God. People that you know. Yeah, you. That you've been praying God fix them. But God is saying, What about you? What about the love I've shown you? Show it to somebody else. It's a challenge today that our love would flow through us.
and reach someone else. That you would invite people to hear the gospel. To hear the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. I was far from God. Far from God. I don't think you understand that. I was a place in my life where I believed we descended from apes. And I was teaching that. Until God introduced himself to me. And he told me, you may act like an ape sometimes, but you're not. We're made in the image of God himself. A unique thumbprint is placed upon us. Creates this void in our lives that only he can fill. And if you're here today and you've watched four generations before you commit themselves to the way of the Lord and you've heard briefly but the individuals who stood up and shared them. You heard a little bit of my story. And you've heard the parable that Jesus has laid out. And you don't know Jesus. Today is your day. You said, oh, I made the wrong turn. I wound up here. I thought it was McDonald's. No. You're here because God wants you sitting in that seat to hear this message. So that you can receive Christ as your Savior and Lord. And right now, you're probably fighting, making excuses. You're saying, well, you know, I'm still all messed up. I still love, you know, this kind of music. And I still like doing this and doing that. That's good. God wants to meet you where you are. And as He introduces Himself to you, He will draw you out of that world. Reveal Himself to you. And allow you to become child of God. And I am so, so grateful that somebody irritated, annoyed, prayed, poked, prodded me. The trajectory of my life has taken a different angle now. I'm not heading downward. Every day, I'm rising and rising and rising. I'm grateful for that. So if you're here today and you're not accepted Jesus Christ, I'm going to ask you right now. I'm going to ask you to give your heart over to Jesus. To surrender your life over to Jesus Christ. And for those who are in Christ, you need to repent. Because you got yours and you haven't ventured out. So as we sing this song, sitting in your seat, eyes closed, head bowed, swaying in your seat, I want you to think of that bloody way, that road where the robbers attacked and leave and us out there. Someone came, bandaged, 